Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast. In this interview, we sit down with PGA Tour rookie Sebastian Kaplan. Sebastian may not be a household name just yet, but he is a bomber on the PGA Tour, ready to break out. Won the Rex Hospital Open on the Web.com Tour last season. He's from Denmark. Young man played for the University of Arkansas uh, in his collegiate career. Just a fantastic guy. Great interview. Very easy to talk to. Gave us a lot of information here including, uh, you know, kind of how he took a different path to the PGA Tour, what kind of player he is, what tournaments, what courses best suit his game. We talked a little bit about tequila. We talked about betting in Denmark. We talked about PGA Tour orientation and how that went down as a rookie. We talked about the athlete he'd like to slap in the face, and we talked about playing ready golf on the PGA Tour. It's something he does. It's very, very interesting. You're going to get to that near the end. We appreciate mybookie.ag, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, Dot .ag for supporting the podcast if you've not already found a place to bet online we've trusted those guys for almost 3 years now you you can use promo code tourjunkies all one word when you sign up and you get a 100% deposit bonus if you get in there right now 100% deposit bonus and they take great care of tour junkies listeners so again that's mybookie.ag promo code tourjunkies we really appreciate them helping to get these episodes out and available to you. You can also watch this episode on YouTube, and uh, yeah, it's a good one. Enjoy. What's going on, Golf Addicts? DB here with the Tour Junkies riding solo as my boy Pat Perry is uh, locked up in a family fishing trip um, and uh, skimming the lovely waters of Fripp Island. And uh, he couldn't join us today, and, and I'm disappointed because it's going to be a it's going to be a good interview. I have a feeling, but he's disappointed as well. But we just you know we got to make it work around these these player schedules. And you know I I got to say I don't know that I've ever gotten up at at nine in the morning for a, a tour player interview, but I, I'm doing it today. Uh, I feel good about it. Uh, for those of you that can see me on screen, I, I don't I don't look good. And uh, I had a long night at the at the at the club last night, the golf course last night. So I've got my coffee in hand. Normally I have an alcoholic podcast juice beverage, but not today for this interview. Uh, th- this 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 next guest has probably already woken up. He's probably had a, a, a rigorous workout. Um, he's probably uh, I don't know. He's probably read a book this morning. He may have. Uh, he's probably you know really, really uh, shown his wife some love and affection. I don't know. There could be all kinds of things that he's done before me, very much more productive. Uh, but he also is joining the Tour Junkies podcast for the first time, hopefully not the last time. He's, uh, he's quite the stud. He's a young guy off the Corn Ferry Tour, rookie on the PGA Tour, uh, All-American in college uh, in an SEC school, which is a big deal to us, University of Arkansas. Uh, he's from Denmark, Mr. Sebastian Kaplan. Welcome to the show, man. David, thanks so much. Appreciate it. How was that intro? How would you rate perfect. that intro? Spot on. I would say um, there's truth to it. <laughs> okay. Not all of it is true. Because <laughs> I, 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 guess I, I guess on what your morning looks like. I'm definitely sitting right here with a coffee in hand. And uh, the night was a little longer last night than it needed to be. So <laughs> nice. not necessarily now, uh, necessarily full workout this morning. Okay, well, what what was your night like last night? You, you gotta, I mean, if it's not that sexy, you can you can you can make up something. It's I, I'm not. I don't need to make up something. We had a well, we had a good family birthday up here in Hilton Head Island. Um, 
and uh, it, was, I mean, it was an 80th birthday, but the whole family was together and my wife's side of the family and uh, a lot of the cousins and just the other young people as well. So it was just fun. We had a good time and uh, had a cigar and had a little alcohol and, and yeah. went to bed too late. You know, you know the story. Yeah, an 80th birthday. That sounds electric in Hilton Head too. I know. No it's doubt. A, lot of, a lot of generations. Yeah, I love Hilton Head. Pat used to live in Hilton Head. Um, I've been my family frequents there often. It's very close to Augusta. It's a lovely place. Um, no, it's, it's it's very it's very neat here. Do you do you? What's your favorite golf course in Hilton Head? You know, I played um, I played a couple of them by now. Um, my wife's family is up on the north side of the island in the, in the Port Royal Plantation. I've played um, those couple of courses in there, and I mean, I played Harbor Town, which is. Yeah, obviously one of the better golf courses on island. It's, I mean, you got to be spot on off the tee, and you don't have anywhere to to put the ball if it's not in the fairway. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I have I've been actually to go a little bit off of Hilton Head Island. I think yeah, Secession, um, just up in yeah. um, Buford is in. Yeah, I'm yeah. not privileged enough to get up there, man. I, I, Secession, that's man. that's a beautiful golf course, right in the marsh. Everything, it's that's a yeah. gem, hidden gem. Well, Sebastian, tell tell some of our listeners a little bit about you. I mean, you know, I mentioned you played for University of Arkansas. I mean, I'm I'm a Georgia fan, but SEC guy. Okay, great. Um, you know, great college career. Um, you, you had you've had a couple stints on the web.com slash Corn Ferry. One last year on the Corn Ferry tour at the Rex Hospital, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've 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 been making some cuts. You know, so far in the rookie year on the, on the PJ tour, but. I would say, you know, tell tell the listener that doesn't know much about Sebastian a little bit about your golf life, your upbringing, like, and uh, just a little bit about you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the, the 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 core of my values are uh, go back to obviously being from Denmark, um, growing up there, growing up in a sports family. Um, with my dad, he played professional soccer. That was his career until he, oh, wow. he retired, which is obviously is, yeah, it's a shorter career, obviously. So you got to figure out what you're doing after, unless you're really, really good. Um, but no, growing up there and playing golf in Denmark, and, and you kind of got a feel for okay, what was the route people took? I and mean, it was being part of the national team. You got to get some international experience, play with some good amateurs around Europe and around the world if you're lucky. And then you kind of you don't have the college sport there. Um, so you kind of mm. just say, okay, am I good enough? I turn, am I going to turn pro? Am I not going to turn pro? And a lot of some of my friends that I play with growing up, I mean, they turn pro when they're 18, 19 years old. And some, I see some of them today that they're doing great. But I was like, this is, everyone's doing the same. And I see too many feel, I need to fail. I need to figure out a different way. And then my coach back in Denmark had a good relationship with assistant coach at Arkansas at the time and all of a sudden this opportunity fell into my lap and I was like wait college what is that <laughs> so I kind of got opened up to a new world um coming to the U.S. and and being able to to study and play play a sport at a high level um so that was, was a lot of new stuff for me happening but at the so end of the day move, I was like did you move from Denmark to like to go to college and so like you I, moved to the U.S. yep Wow. All of it. And then you just the get thrown thing. right into SEC, Arkansas college, culture, life in, in the, in the U S yep. that's, that had to be an adjustment. Yep. No expectations. I had no idea what I was getting into. My parents <laughs> just dropped me off at the airport in August, 2010. And I was like, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Jeez. Thanks mom. I'll be fine. Yeah. 
but uh, but the, the core of it for me was that I, it's always motivated me to, to kind of prove people that there's a different route. Mm-hmm. I'm not still that way. Um, and that's why at this point now it's a big milestone for me to, I know there's Lucas, you know, other Danish guy on the, on the PJ tour now, but I've been the first Danish guy to, to go this route, play college all four years, stay in the U S go through the corn Ferry tour, get on the PJ tour, uh, full status, the whole way went on a corn fair tour and hopefully someday went on the PJ tour, but no, no, no Danish golf golfer has ever done it. So it's That's been awesome. part of my motivation the whole way to, to try to be the first one. And I mean, I have more goals for the future that hopefully will be the first game to do. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, what kind of player would you say you are? Like I, I see you as, you know, a little bit of, I mean, obviously the tour junkies, we evaluate players every single week. We're looking at, you know, what kind of player they are. Do they fit this course? Do they kind of not, um, do they, you know, do they have the skills that, that, you know, our, our dumb minds have said would translate onto this golf course. So I see you, and you correct me if I'm wrong, for just from what little we've seen of you so far, I see you as a, a long hitter, um, kind of kind of a bomber, mm-hmm. a ball striker type. Is that would that be would that be accurate? Are you a longer guy? Pretty there? accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the longest, but I'm definitely. I have a gear that is one of the longer uh, on tour, um, yeah. which obviously I have to try to play to and, and try to use that advantage. Yeah. What, like what else? Like what are some strengths of your game, weaknesses of your game, maybe some things that you're working on, especially that you feel like if I could just, you know, if I could just bring this up a notch and, and put it all together, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to win. I think uh, my, probably, the, I mean, it's, it's always hard to sum it into to, to two sentences, but for me, the weakness that I'm always trying to work away from is, is trying to not get too, I love playing creative golf and I love playing fun golf, mm-hmm. but some, at some, to some extent, you also got to be able to say, okay, I need, I need to find the robot a little bit more to say, okay, I can hit the switch. I know the ball's going to start here. I know it's just going to turn a little bit. It might not be the fun, greatest shot in the world, but I know where it's going. Um, so for me, bouncing out the time and the place for, okay, we got to pull off a field shot here, or this is just a, let's swing a three quarter and just, hold the hands and let the ball just fly somewhat straight. It doesn't really matter if it moves a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, or if it's really high or if it's low, I just need someone that kind of just falls in, in, in between the goalposts right here. Um, and that's for me balancing that and, and, and trusting that through around. Cause sometimes I, I just get to do into the field mode and then every shots become like simple shots become too much of a, too much of a challenge with trying to feel it and, and be creative with the shot. So, just trying to balance that, I think, is sometimes my my struggle. Do you ever get bored playing like playing in a tournament? I'm talking about like in a in a in one of the four rounds of a golf tournament on the PGA Tour or, or Corn Ferry. Do you find yourself getting bored? You know what? I have had a few times where it happens, and it's some it's the weirdest times when it happens. Really, actually, <laughs> it's um when did I have it happen? I had it happen uh, a couple months ago. It was in a Corn Ferry event, I think. Or was it? No, it was at the, actually. I think it was at the Greenbrier. I think I made six. I think I made fifteen pars in a row or something like that, starting on the first hole. And I just yeah. look. I'm like, dude, what are we doing? <laughs> I just. And then it was. It was not really bad. It was not really great. We just. We just felt like fifteen holes went by, and 
in the, in like a snap of a finger and we're like, we, what are we doing? And then I finally made a birdie on a bogey. I'm like, okay, this feels right. So that's the round after you look at each other. Can we just make six birdies and six bogeys instead of 15 pars and 30 <laughs> yeah. and a bogey? Yeah. It's just, it's just not exciting, but those days happen, but I don't know. I mean, everything has its, uh, has its bosses and that negatives and you, you got to figure out a way to learn from it and, and, and take something with you. That's, um, the reason I asked that question is kind of funny. Just last night, um, a friend of ours is playing in the CJ cup and mm -hmm. like, I told you I had a late night last night. We, we had a, a one day member guest event at my spot and we were, we were after the event, we stayed there a long time and sat around the bonfire and had, had a good night. So I was home getting late. I was nice. late getting home and I get a text, a screenshot of a hole at the CJ cup and it says, should I go for it? And I'm like, and I'm looking on my phone. I go to the PJ Tour app. And I'm like, wait a minute. This, he's, he's on a par five right now. And he just sent this text message. Pat was in the group. It was a group, group thread. And I'm like, aren't you playing right now? What is going on? Like, hit, you're playing in a real golf tournament. And, and he replied and said, bro, golf is boring. And I'm like, dang. I think for amateurs, you know, that, that maybe don't play it as much as you guys do, you know, for me, golf is never boring for a couple of reasons. One, because I, I, don't, I don't get to play it as much as you. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're working that week, you're, you're playing, you know, five, six days a week. Um, yeah. Number one, so I don't, I don't get to play it as much. And number two, um, my golf shots are, are much more variable than your golf shots. So it's, it's always interesting <laughs> when the ball meets the club face. And it's, it's never a dull moment. Um, but I, it, it kind of made me think about it last night. I was like, dang, I wonder if these guys did get bored. You're obviously you're absolutely right. I think that's why I'm the type of I, I need it to be interesting, and I think that's why I play the way I do. I I try. I mean, I'm the same way when I play. Every level, I I try to just figure out, okay, how can I differentiate myself just a little bit to just make a create an edge for myself to give myself an advantage or whatever it is. And it a lot of times ends out with like, okay, Houston Open last week, like no one starts it unless it's Bubba and no one starts with 30 yards in the water on the left and just cuts it 40 yards into the fairway. <laughs> yeah. But that's me. That's how I play. And I'm like, uh -huh. okay, I'm keeping it interesting for myself. Cause sometimes if you start playing, I mean, the smart player says boring golf is the way you, you make a career and I yeah. get it. Um, but sometimes when the boring golf doesn't work, then it's really boring and it sucks. <laughs> So for me, if if I can keep it interesting, hit shots that I feel like okay, I actually I can feel this shot or this shot is gonna excite me. I'm hell, I'm gonna do it. So are you? So would you say you're more of an aggressive player, like by other standards yes. out there? Yeah, I'm I'm, um, I'm your calculated aggressive player. What about your? Who's your caddy? What's your relationship like with them? How long have you guys been working together? Um, and and I I want to know. I always like to know like what's the what's the mood for you guys on the course yeah my, my caddy he's he's got an interesting story he uh his name is ed alton and the uh he's originally from canada but believe it or not he lives in columbia columbia the country um okay and he has his residency in ecuador is he a drug lord on the side do you know <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> is he a narco? We do our business. We do the business on the course, and we're really good at it. So I don't worry about what goes on off the course. No, he's yeah, he's a yeah. super guy. He uh, 
he sold meat commercially for 25 years. Believe it or not, and this is his retirement. But he, um, no, he's a he's a really nice guy. We've been together for just just over a year and a half um, by now. We we got introduced to each other. Um, yeah, not this season on a corn fair tour, but last mid through last season uh, through some mutual friends. And he was kind of new actually to like last season on the tour, and uh, he we just hit it off right away. And for me, it's important in a cat to just you just have to be able to get along with them. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, if, if you look at it, if, if you go into, like, if you hire a caddy thinking that he's going to save you strokes, then you don't believe in yourself. And then I just think, I mean, unless, hmm. I don't know how you you get to that way, but anyone working with a caddy will, like, you have to know that you're the golfer, you're hitting the shot. Fair enough, if you have an arrangement, your caddy can say, okay, this is my fill and bones this is my overrule or whatever it is he has however x amount in a in, in a tournament or in a season fair enough but then you have set expectations but you just can't the relationship caddy player you just can't expect your caddy to save you strokes i mean he can make your life a lot easier and help you not make stupid mistakes like calculating errors and, and yardages and wind directions and stuff like that but your caddy never hits a bad shot because you're the one hitting a shot so when you guys are when you guys are working, is it you know is it a pretty light mood? Do you do you are you talking about? Yes. Are you one of these guys that likes to talk about things not going on with golf or? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, we both we both love tequila and we What's always your... and we love, both love we both love food. We always talk about oh what did you go eat last night? What you have? What did you try a new tequila or did you try a new bourbon or something? That's always our conversation. Something that's not regarding golf sports or whatever what's, it is what's your go-to tequila right now i'm I'm really enjoying the casamigos blanco at the moment yeah that's a, that's solid um that's what my wife likes she likes the blancos i'm more into the reposados i gotta have a little age in them okay okay um well see, you're young that. and you're young and fit i need i need the i need the i need the lighter less less sugar and all that, you know, I, I got, I got, I got a bicycle tire around my waist. I got to get rid of. Funny story. Uh, the last week in Houston, he, uh, so my caddy's name is Ed. And I always, because he lives in Colombia and he speaks fluent Spanish and he speaks Canadian, which sometimes I have to translate to some of our prime people as he gets into the Canadian. <laughs> uh, I always call him Don Eduardo. Uh, <laughs> And try to speak Spanish to him sometimes. And then last week I get into the locker on Friday afternoon after we shoot four under in the in the howling wind. And there's a bottle of tequila sitting in my locker and I look at it. Oh, it looks weird. And then the tequila is called Don Eduardo. Oh. I've never seen it before. <laughs> uh, but that was uh, that was a fun little uh, fun little nice. gift. He was like, Oh, he's a servant after this round because uh, yeah, it's all me. I'm like, Yeah, that is all you. <laughs> Little, uh, little. I like the little humble brag you threw in there on that four under on the windy day there on Friday. That was that was that was that was a pro move by you, Sebastian. I like that. Yeah, do you, um, you got to learn how to do that. that. Yeah, you got to be proud of that. I know. I just went through a PGA Tour orientation. They teach us a few a few tips. <laughs> I was talking to what, you. What else do they tell you in that? Like, what what's uh was there anything in there that just made you go, are we are we serious right now? <laughs> like, was there any head scratching yeah, moments in there? without getting in trouble i'm gonna say yeah yeah we gotta be very careful here yeah the whole the whole i mean obviously they covered everything from logistics player relations sports betting 
whatever it is, but the doping section, drugs, that kind of stuff. To me, I'm all for it. We need to have control. And, but they just, they just spend an hour. To me, it should have been, we have a drug policy. Here it is. Read it. If you don't comply, you can get disqualified. You can get suspended, et cetera, et cetera. It should have taken five minutes. But instead, we spent an hour on talking and basically about every product that there is that the guys use. And, oh, if you use this, then you'll get in trouble. So, no, it was, I mean, yeah, it was good. I mean, I knew they had to go through it, but to me, that could have taken five minutes. Anything on the sports betting side other than like, I know, I know that they've been very public about, you know, you can't, like, you're not, you're not to be gambling on the PJ tour. Um, yeah. But anything else that, that really uh, they push? I mean, I don't know how much you know about the new shot link. Uh, I think what's his name, Matt Wallace, something like that from shot link. He was there and had a, I mean, I'm not even supposed to, I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about this yet, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Let me know um, within 48 hours if we need to cut this out. Yeah. Um, but I'm very interested in this because no, this is something that's important to us and our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I don't know if you've noticed at the tournaments that around every green, they have like three black tall cameras set up. Yes. They're like 360 cameras? Yes. Except, or yeah, I don't know if they're 360 cameras, but okay. they're like in a triangle around the greens looking yeah. at the greens. I saw and it each like They are uh, – they're rolling out some really, really cool new data and tech that they can do in terms of shot link and in terms of sports betting. I think it's going to go that route. Like they say they're going to be able to do things real time. So when they'll get data to actually predict way more stuff on the greens, because they'll be able to start seeing those cameras, we'll see the balls roll in real time. So they'll start to be able to predict guys, putting left to righters, right to lefters, they can actually measure exit velo speed off the putters. So you'll see a guy have a 20 footer and you'll see whatever the tour average is, 12% make percentage. It'll start at that by his ball when you see it real time. But as soon as he hits it, it'll have the speed, the direction it came off of, and then it'll know because they have all the green reading materials. They'll say, okay, now he has a way better chance halfway through the putt. And you'll see the percentage jump up because he actually hit a good putt. Jeez. Or if you hit the terrible putt, that percentage will just go to zero right away because they know the speed he just hit it and the putt he has. There's no way, no way that ball's going to make it to the hole or something like that. So they're like they're saying that they're doubling the amount of data that they're going to get from Shotlink going forward. Um, yeah, which not like like we didn't have enough already, but it's crazy what they're going to be able to do. And coming into the greens because those cameras see the ball. They can actually see the ball in 3D, and you can see where it lands. You can see, okay, did that ball spin? Did it roll forward? I guess that's more for the players. Like, you start being able to see, okay, your landing spots versus where the ball finishes, et cetera. So it's pretty breakthrough technology that they're having coming out. Now, you're, you're four events into your PGA Tour career, right? And so have you – you probably yeah. haven't. Plus, at this time of year, like, the, the gambling audience has tailed off a little bit because it's NFL season. But, like, you yeah. probably haven't – I'm assuming you haven't really heard anybody, you know, fans or anybody yelling at you about being on their DraftKings team or betting on you or anything like that. I had a well, – I, um, I had a friend out in California who just before – I think it was a couple of tournaments ago. I think it was for uh, Sanderson maybe. He just yeah. said, good luck this week. You're on my DraftKings team. Um, <laughs> that, that, oh, was, that was it. 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, they, obviously they told at Warren Tate, they talked about all this stuff, like how even your friends and family, I mean, I, family obviously is not supposed to, but someone that I met last year and don't really have a close relationship to, I, I mean, you, you can't go through your phone book and tell everyone, hey, you know me a little bit. You can't ever use me in yeah. your yeah. whatever sports betting. Yeah, I don't know. They just, we just have to be honest about it. And I think, I think everyone gets it um, at this point, but I think they still have, I mean, it's hard to control for them, I think, but they're working hard on, 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 on keeping it straight. Forgive my ignorance here, but in Denmark is, um, is marijuana legal and is, is sports betting a thing that's very widely accepted and, and done? Sports is, yeah. Sports betting is hugely like, it's, it's like, yeah, you, it's so easy. I grew yeah. up with it. I mean, Right. Especially, I mean, soccer is obviously huge in Europe, and that's what most people were were betting on. Um, and we, I would do that as a you know, hobby with some of my friends when we were younger. Just go down with five bucks and find a couple of games, put a buck on each game, and maybe get ten yeah. bucks back or something. Um, but no, I think on the marijuana side, I think they're Europe is trying to get there. Um, I know, I know Denmark is they're they've allowed a large Canadian cannabis company to put their European headquarters and growing facility in Denmark, actually, as a trial. Um, so it's coming within the next couple of years. I think they're going to gonna make a, a big decision on, you know, whether that's going to be legal or not. Yeah, I thought about that just coming off the Matt Every news. Um, and you're talking about the, uh, the, the tour, talking about this and, and Every coming out, you know, with a, with a, uh, a prescription for, you know, medical marijuana for a mental health condition. And then he gets a 12 week suspension on the tour. Um, yeah. Which, you know, a lot of people up in uproar about on Twitter. Uh, and, I, and I don't, I don't necessarily expect you to comment, but I was just, that that's kind of what got me thinking about it when you're talking about the tour and that, that meeting you went to. And um, especially for somebody like you, if you were coming from a place where you grew up betting, you grew up where, you know, uh, that, that was, that was something that was just, very ingrained in the culture and um, yeah, yeah. it's a lot of adjustment for, for players like that. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they told us exactly on the tour, they said, listen, if you have some sort of condition and you need to take this drug or need to use this medication to like your doctor says you have to take this, then they say, we have a thought, like we have a process, you send it in, we look at it and we have X amount of people blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we're going to give you a decision. So there is, I mean, there is a way to, to do it and get it through. But then again, then you can say, okay, why did this player get it? And this guy didn't, um, that situation is probably going to happen, but yeah, that's how it is with anything. When you're trying to get something approved that technically in the rules aren't allowed, um, you're going to have to have, um, human minds and human bodies, uh, make the decision for you. And there's always going to be some discrepancy with it, whether it's correct decision or not. So. Yeah. You, uh, you seem like a pretty sharp guy, Sebastian. What, what was your, uh, like if you weren't playing golf, what would you be doing? Ooh, that's a good question, but that has a lot of answers. I think there's well, answers that my know. wife wouldn't like, and there's answers <laughs> that my wife would like. <laughs> Hit us with both. Um, I, I mean, this is more probably more than wild one in, in a different life. If I like, if I could just be a formula one racer in one season, that would be like ultimate for me. <laughs> nice. So I, I, yeah, I just, I love the sport. 
but probably more realistically, I would probably do something in commercial real estate, private equity size. Um, mm-hmm. Have some connections there now. That so, I've, they've introduced me to that to that industry, and I, I mean, I like. I know it's it's a tough industry, but I I like working with real estate investments and, and stuff like that. I don't know. That's just cool. one day to get behind the wheel in a Formula One car and just do one lap. <laughs> are you a uh, um, are you a car guy now? Like, do you have do you have a couple cars? That yeah. You, are you like a like a mini Ian Poulter? I, I guess I'm a mini Ian Poulter, but I don't have a couple. I have one. Well, my wife has one, and I have one. <laughs> okay. And I've had a I've had a few already in in my short life, uh, which is probably more than, than most people my age. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that is that is definitely that's something cool. that's cool. Like I love I love cars, and I've always liked cars growing up. So um, back to back to the like you you as a player in PGA Tour. Like, have you what's it like for a guy graduating from the Corn Ferry Tour? Um, I mean, you're constantly getting reshuffled, and and you know statuses change and all that. Like, do you? do you feel like at this point, like how much of a luxury do you have in your current status to play the events you want to play versus playing? And, and do you look at these events and these courses and, and evaluate the golf courses and go, well, you know, like I, I really don't know that that's the best use of, of a, of a start for me um, because of how that course sets up, for example, like Harbortown, I would think, um, you, yeah. you know, or, or like how much of a luxury do you have in playing in playing the schedule that you want to play right now? Uh, not, not really much, actually. Much. Um, <laughs> no, uh, most guys coming off the, unless you're obviously you win the corn Ferry tour money list, like Scottish Scheffler, he's fully yeah. extended into everything except the, all the invitationals. Then everyone has to just, especially in the beginning, before the first couple of reshuffles, you kind of just have to play what you can get to, to get some FedEx Cup points and, and get up on the list so you stay up there um, when you reshuffle back. Um, and and I, I, I knew that coming into this, and it's the same thing. I was in that kind of same category on the Corn Ferry one year where I played off my past GM status, and I needed to make some cuts early to, to reshuffle up on the list, which I did, but I knew exactly what it's about, and, and I knew I know quite a few of the guys that I graduate, graduated with this year, and I've been on tour before and kind of kept me like got me in the loop to understand what's what you need to do so for me it's just now it's just playing what I can get and just yeah. being able to to, to adapt yeah. and, and be where I need to in, in a certain moment are there courses though that you've looked at or you've thought about or maybe you've seen in the past that you know are are on the schedule um <clears throat> you know maybe it's here in the fall swing or maybe it's it's starting in January when it really ramps up that you look at and go like, man, I think I could, I think I could kill it on that golf course. Like that course is made for me. Yeah. Yeah. I have a few, I mean, we played in college, we played quite a few uh, of courses that they do play on tour. Yeah. Um, and I knew Houston last week was a good course for me. Um, but obviously was, I've never played it when it hasn't been overseeded because like it's the first time oh. they have it in the fall. That time and year. all the times we played them in college, uh, it's always been in the spring when it's been overseeded. Um, and I knew I love the course when I was like that. It's because it is a long hitters course. Um, mm-hmm. 
if you can take the part, you know, advantage of the part five there, you're, you're really well off, but it played quite different now with not being overseas and being all Bermuda with more rough and, and, and so forth. But another one, like the Memorial would, I love that golf course. We played Ohio State's tournament there quite a few times. And I think that course sets up really well for me. It's a fairly long course and I love the turf there all bent. Um, that's what I consider myself playing better on. Um, even though I live in Florida and have to play, play on Bermuda all the time, but yeah, I love, I love bent greens. That's, that's where I'm most comfortable. That's interesting. So we talk about that too. Um, sometimes talking heads like us that uh, have never played golf at a competitive level <laughs> and we're just guessing based on stats and stuff uh, on who's yeah. going to be the better player on the, in the most variable game on the <laughs> planet. Um, we, we talk about like grass surfaces, right. And, and um, <clears throat> how much more comfortable a player may be on bent grass versus Bermuda versus POA. Um, so that, that's obviously a real thing for someone like you. Do you think that's a real thing for most players on the tour? There's always like one surface that they just feel better about, or they tend to read better, or they tend to, I don't know, just feel more comfortable on. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I couldn't, yeah, I think it would be very unlikely if a player said that I'm comfortable in everything. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's different enough to where you, ha you, you have a preference, I think. Um, Bermuda is just, I mean, if you grow up in Bermuda, Bermuda, I think you're going to prefer Bermuda because you know it. It's just, Bermuda is just tricky sometimes because you have different Bermudas. Sometimes you would get a Bermuda that's pure and firm and you don't really have to worry about the green. But then other times you'll get a Bermuda that's like, if you don't know where you're going with the green, especially chipping or hitting into the green, the ball, like you can land in a spot and it'll, it'll just stop there or it'll just go way yeah. forward depending on if you're flying it into the grain or flying it down the grain yeah. um, but it's it's a pro you just have to learn it really and then you have to trust it it's a big part of it you'll have some definitely on Bermuda where you think I did exactly what I needed to there it's just I just don't know how it took that bounce or whatever um but that's yeah Bermuda's it's a weed so it's inconsistent yeah have you what's like um I mean, obviously saw a lot of success on the Corn Ferry. And um, what do, what have you felt so far in just four events as like the biggest difference going, the biggest adjustment going from Corn Ferry to the to the PGA Tour? Um, I think I've just had to maybe just dial it back a little bit. You don't have to feel like you have to make birdie all the time. Yeah, um, or you do on the Corn Ferry but, Tour, right? Exactly. Like, especially you make the cut on a corn fair tour. Then if you don't shoot eight under on the weekend, you're not going to move anywhere. Um, yeah. Where the first, especially Greenbrier and Jackson um, and Napa for that sake, the, like make the weekend. And then from there, if you just, I mean, if you shoot a couple under two under each day for one on the weekend, you'll actually move up a few spots. Um yeah. So you don't necessarily like if, if you have your you get off to a bad start in the third round or something like that, if you just kinda can grind it around around even par and then maybe shoot a low one on the weekend, you can still make a difference where on a corn ferry if you don't yeah, you have to be both Saturday and Sunday if you're not shooting low, you you're not gonna make a difference. Um so that's probably the adjustment of where I have to maybe just say, Okay, it's actually okay. If I'm not five under through sixteen on Saturday, it's actually okay. 
we we still have time and it's not that big of a deal because right. we don't have to shoot that low. Um, but I mean, you still want to shoot low, so it's it's a mixed it's a mixed feeling there. I think, um, yeah, keeping away from the pin sometimes when you don't feel like you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's, we, I, that tends to be the the theme when when people when we ask that question to some of these corn fairy guys uh, in the past is always like, man, you know, you just know when you step up on the number one on Thursday that you've got to freaking go low, and there is just no yeah. option. Like, do you, do you think that yeah. should be adjusted a little bit? Like, I've seen talk of that where, you know, what what's the PGA – where's the consistency in the setups? Because, I mean, while the PGA Tour also, to me, I think, has too many easy courses, uh, or at least I, I don't, relative to the field, they, they appear easy. Too many, too many tournaments where, like, 18, 20 under is winning. Um, do, do you think the Tour should adjust that a little bit? Like, where either they, you know, may, maybe make these Corn Ferry – tracks set up a little differently and like see guys have to win a golf tournament where eight under is going to win or what, what do you think about that yeah i mean i'm a strong believer in um fair courses so i know from an agronomy standpoint it's hard to to push a course and keep it right there on the limit where it starts being ridiculous and you can't control anything right. and the other side where it's perfect but it's tough um because when i think it starts becoming stupid is when you're from the middle of the fairway and no win and you can't stop a nine iron on the green like i don't think <laughs> golf should be played that way and yeah. sometimes and i get it it's tough for them to keep the courses where it's tough but fair and sometimes it just tips to the other side where they lose like a couple of greens become so firm because they maybe got a little bit more wind than they expected or the sun baked it out or, or whatever it is. But I just think like, especially on the PJ tour, they're, they're so good at getting the courses in the best shape that they can get them. That if you hit good shots, it's going to seem like it's easy because you get rewarded every time. It's not, right. you don't have the inconsistencies and the, and the randomness to it as much. And I just think on a corn ferry, I think I just think the greens tend to be too soft, really, um, and we don't have enough rough. We had a few events this year actually. Where it became like towards the end of the season, like in Colorado, too. The new course in Colorado, I'm telling you, that it's a monster golf course. It's so long, and the rough is it was rough as long, and the, the fairways weren't necessarily narrow. But if you didn't hit the fairways, you were not keeping on the greens when the greens were brand new, so they were firm and really fast. Um, so yeah, we were kind of joking around that we were playing, uh, we were playing at us open rough with British open greens, um, <laughs> which was, it was fun. I, yeah, I'd love yeah. to, for them to do it more as long as they can keep it in that, keep the balance of keeping it tough, but fair. And then, yeah, that's where, especially on the corner tour, sometimes it tips to the wrong side, especially in South American countries, but we've got to set expectations. I mean, they, they might not have the staff and the, and the knowledge to, to get the courses to where they can push them a little bit without losing them. All right. Random question. We asked this of almost everybody, you know, because you never know when you're just going to get a golden story and, and you may or may not Shoot. have one, but um, obviously you play in a lot of pro-ams, whether you're, you're corn fairy, uh, PJ tour, any, like what's the most memorable cor uh, pro-am moment or, um, individual or just thing that you've seen in a pro-am that, that you'll just, you never, you'll never forget. 
Um, give me a second. I mean, I have one in mind, but it's it's more of a greatness moment. Oh, uh, yeah. See, we want something that's going to embarrass uh, somebody. Yeah, I, fig- <laughs> I figured you would want that. Um, Just let me think. Because yeah. I've, I've, I've played with, okay, I, I won't name names and I won't name tournaments because yeah, yeah, that's, then that's they cool. might realize who I'm talking about. So <laughs> I, I played in the Pro Am, I will say it's this year, and it was four AMs. And I don't think the first five holes, I don't think anyone got to the fairway. <laughs> yep. I, I, I mean, we're supposed to be there for five and a half hours with them, and they <sighs> all take their first swing. We start on, like, the fifth hole, and they all take their first swing. Two of the guys didn't even hit the ball, and then the two other people got it 30 yards off the tee. I'm like, oh. I look at my caddy, and I was like, this is going to be a long run. And that continued for <laughs> five holes. Then one guy warmed up a little bit. He actually started hitting some shots, but two of the other people, they just they stopped playing after like eight holes, and then they just ride, they rode around the cart, which I guess was better <laughs> actually. But I, that was probably the. It was to the point I had to go to the rules official. I said, "Listen, is this serious? Like, are you you're making? Can we at least? I'm, I'm fine with playing in the primes, and I like it, but can we play with someone that can at least hit the ball?" Who's a, is there like a, is there a guy, like who are a couple guys on tour, on the PGA Tour right now and um, that you've, like maybe one that you, you've, you've already had a relationship with that, that you, you love, you, you love getting paired up with these guys or if you're playing a practice round, you, you'd want to try and connect with or maybe you've got to dinner with, uh, but also maybe a couple guys that you've met, um, even in the short, you know, four, four, four tournaments so far that, uh, that, that you really, you really enjoy. Um, like recent guys that I've met, I really enjoy. I played with uh, Brandon Steele in, uh, <clears throat> in the, at the Green Bar. He's a super nice guy to play with. Um, and I played a practice one with him in, in Napa, and super nice, chill guy, and very personable. Um, but coming off, I mean, we, we I graduate with we have some good relationships with some of the people that came with us from the Corn Fairy Tour. Yeah, just last week, like. I'm honestly, it's funny. This is, I think you're going to like this story. I, Monto Griffin had, yeah. before we got our, like when we had both locked up our carts, he approached me in Jacksonville because he lives there too. He goes, okay, let's make a pack next year. Whoever is higher ranked on the FedEx cup is going to pick the other one for the Zurich. So mm-hmm. we both get in because mm-hmm. we're both in the same category. So if one of us is high enough and have the freedom to pick who they want to play with, we're going to pick each other. I'm like, okay, fair enough. And then I'm really good friends with Mark Hubbard. And because yep. his wife, Megan, we're, we, we hang out with them a lot. And we're actually going to Europe with them in December and, and spending some time with them. And then <clears throat> I kind of, we talked about it too. Like, what are you doing for the Zurich? And I told Mark, I think Lancho and I have a deal. And then last week, they both told me the story. Now, after seven holes in the final round, they had made six birdies between them and they were six under and, and, a, and a best ball. And they look at each other. What, what, the, what are you doing with the Zurich? And they say, what? I thought you're, I thought you're playing with Sebastian. <laughs> There's a love triangle here. <laughs> there is. But uh, I, I don't know. Lonto, I talked to him the other day. He said he might, it might actually be a tournament. He ends up skipping now, but just because of his freedom now to, to schedule a little bit differently, but we'll yeah. see. I, hopefully I can get to play with one of them. <laughs> Um, dude if they if they cuck you out of this arrangement and end up together i'm gonna, I'm gonna 
we'll send we'll send the TJ Nation out over those guys. I'm sure they're yes, great guys, please. but that's they they better not do please. that. That's <laughs> I thought you were about to tell me they literally were like, oh yeah, we'll screw screw Sebastian six hundred through seven on a on a best ball. Sounds like a deadly team to me. Um, no, they're loyal guys. I like those yeah. are two of my really good friends that. I mean, especially the Hubbards, we hang out with a lot. So we, we have some good relationships. And I think that's important for my wife, too, that we have some good relationships with some of the players that have their wives on a tour I'm as well. Sure. So. All right. So you, you, um, you just played the Greenbrier. Did you do any falconry while you were there? We did. You did? That's, yeah, that's unreal. Dude, okay. So we, we made fun of the Greenbrier a couple years ago because um, – they uh at the time they were freaking i don't know what they were doing but they they were paying a lot of money every other commercial on the golf channel or any coverage event was a freaking uh green come come live at the greenbrier phil mickelson commercial and it talked about falconry and it was just the most up like up uppity white person ad i've ever seen um, and the falconry thing just cracked us up. So if you go to our YouTube channel, I'll plug this because our listeners, if they've not done this, they need to do this too. Our YouTube channel, yeah. if you scroll way down, we have an old video of me prank calling the Greenbrier as a falconer <laughs> expert and asking about getting a private falconry uh, experience. And it was electric. This, what they told us, it, it, it's very funny. It's like a four minute video. So I always love asking if you if you got a little falconry in. So it was a good experience. Yeah, I'm I'm telling you that was mind blowing. Like I'm how sure responsive cool. and how trained those birds are. It's surreal. Like, and yeah. this guy, we were only four people that one did it, so he kind of got a little bit more into everything and explained obviously how it started and how they used to hunt in the in, in the old days and. I mean, it works. I'm telling you, it's spot on. And that bird is so sharp. Yeah. Like we literally, us four, us four people, he had it once. It was, uh, the bird was sitting in the tree and he was down there talking to us. And the bird doesn't do anything unless he like flicks a piece of, I guess it's like a chicken foot or something that it comes and eats. Um, but he had a standing, no joke, 12 inches apart, like side, like shoulder to shoulder and then across shoulder to shoulder, 12 inches apart. And he held this piece of chicken down by our waist on the other side. And this bird came full speed and just tucked its, tucked its wings in and flew right through us. Like, <laughs> I have no idea how this bird did not hit us. Uh, that's pretty sick. Uh, what about, um, so what did they, what did they retrieve? What, what was it the falcons were, or the birds were, were retrieving? Well, he, I think the food was like little pieces of dried chicken. And I think he had, uh -huh. there was like half pieces of chicken foot in there too. Uh-huh. Oh man, you got to go back and watch that YouTube video. It's, it's freaking, it's freaking. I'm going to. <clears throat> um, you, you seem like a really nice guy, but just there's got to be some kind of dark side there. If you could, if you could punch any celebrity in the face without any consequence, who would, who would you, who would you, you punch in the face? There's a few guys I don't like. <laughs> even, that you can say. I mean, even golfers that I don't like. Um, <laughs> no, it's just mean. That's just a mean question. It kind of is, man. I know, but yeah, we're we're all human beings. Like, there's all there's always somebody you're just looking at. Like, God, I would just punch that dude in the face if I could. You know. I mean, I think my pet peeve is when athletes come out and say that they're a brace. I don't like that. The, say like, that they're what? 
like come out and say that I'm the best. Like they, they verbally say that themselves. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. like I have, I have all the respect in the world for LeBron James and I think he's great. But when he's asked a question at an interview, if he's worried about a playoff series when they're down three, one to golden state or three, zero, well, there's a lot of people that want to punch LeBron right now uh, after his after his China debacle. Uh, there, yeah, there's a I mean, lot of people. That's that, that's probably more like a moment where I would say, okay, that moment I just want to punch him in the face. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure there's that. plenty of athletes, but, but like Tiger would never do that, and that's why I have so much respect for Tiger or like Roger Federer. Yeah, huge Roger Federer fan. My wife's a huge Roger <laughs> Federer fan. He's Humble, most humble guy you can find and he would never come out and say i'm the best tennis player in the world people know that and he knows that and it doesn't have to be said yeah what what um all right so let's say you win your first pga tour event do you have anything that you've either already said you're gonna buy like in a self-indulgent purchase like obviously you win your first event like you're gonna be smart with it you know you're, you seem like a very smart guy like i said i know you're not gonna do anything dumb but like, there's got to be something that you would spend your money on that's like a very self-indulgent thing. Like, I'm gonna treat myself with this. What, what, what would that be? I've always had this. Like, I've always had this thing that each, yeah, obviously each of my victories. I, now I'm saying them in plural, so hopefully there'll be more. I, I want to yeah. have some sort of collection, and I think for me, it, it's gonna be some sort of watch that signifies that tournament, that moment. Yeah. Um, and have some sort of engraving on it with the term and the date. Um, I think I think that's going to be my thing. Whether it's, I mean, it's easy to think Rolex, but it doesn't necessarily have to be Rolex. I like going a little bit more different to have something that's more unique. But having a watch to signify as a victory, I think that's, that's for me is a it's a cool uh, cool trophy for myself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think the other the other thing would probably be like I would go find. A, super rare expensive bottle of wine and buy that and just drink mm-hmm. it just buy cheap pizza and drink a thousand dollar bottle of wine love it yeah that, that yeah, sounds good we, that sounds really good yeah no that's i i would be all in for that as much as i hate spending like going to the whole foods and spending too much on groceries then i'm totally fine with going to buy too much to an expensive bottle of wine and just drink and, and drink it with cheap food <laughs> Love it. What about like a, uh, a guilty pleasure, like, um, uh, musician or artist, you know, like, like for me, I I'm, I'm a self-admitted have been for a long time fan of Justin Bieber. I mean, I like Justin Bieber, but you know, I get made fun of for that. You know, you're not supposed to like Justin Bieber as a, you know, testosterone filled male in the U S right. So any, any, yeah. uh, any guilty pleasures that, you know, musically that you turn on and, you know, you feel kind of, like you shouldn't but you but you do uh i feel like i definitely do um what do i turn on i, I have some uh i have some tv shows that i watch and my wife just looks at me like what, the what are those are you, <laughs> you got some trash tv yeah i like some of those uh the C, some of the cw shows like the flash and arrow and some yep. of those superhero like really <laughs> soap opery like i watched a hundred on CW, which is so yep. soap opera and it's trying to be super serious, but I love it. So no music though. You don't have like what's your go-to uh, music selection? Like what, what's your what's on your what's hot in your in your ear your AirPods right now? Um, dude, I love like '80s, '70s old music, oh, like wow. Super Tramp, 
super trammed. Uh, Eagles. Um, wow. Pat would be Steve very Perry. sorry to listen to this right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm a huge, I, I'm, I, I would say if while I spend the most time other than golf, and my activity is probably playing music. Yeah, because um, you play, right? You play uh, yeah, like guitar, I piano, love, is that right? I, lo- I love piano and play guitar. Um, and that's it's kind of like a sin for me. Like if I have a bad day, and you, my wife will attest to this, that if I go spend 20 minutes at the piano, I'm a different person when I come back. Wow, that's cool. It's kind of that's my, very cool. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of my meditation. Um, but yeah, I love it. That's good, man. You got to have something like that. That's awesome. That's really good. Yeah, so can um, you sing? Are you a singer? No, I, 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 when I'm by myself, I think I can <laughs> sing, but I know I can't. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't ask you to sing. I just, so you can answer honestly. Okay. I, I promise I won't ask you to sing. What's something on the, what's something on the tour you think needs to be fixed? Like what's the, I mean, obviously slow play was a hot topic last year. I mean, there's, and there's some yeah. tour players that have come out and said, you really can't fix it. There's too many guys on the golf course. It's really not going to, it's really not going to make a difference um yeah it, 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 i mean there is too many guys just take last week in houston i mean i was the third to last group on thursday and friday and i asked the rules officials what what is the time par like what we're we supposed to be playing and he goes 434 and we played five hours and 10 minutes we're like 40 minutes over i'm like Hi, what are you yeah. doing he's like there's too many guys on the golf course it gets back and there's a par five people are going for it it gets back up no one's playing slow but it's just gets backed up it's like going on a highway when it's rush hour if everyone would just go fast it would go fast but there's just too many cars um but yeah it's a tough one like how do you really monitor it and how i mean obviously the one that always comes up is it's got to start giving guys penalty strokes then they're going to start playing faster right uh because most of the guys they don't care about pretty fast player yourself i'm not the i'm not the fastest uh but I can't, I can play fast because I don't give a crap when it's someone's turn. I will go. And it gets on some people's nerves, but I don't care. Like if I see someone fiddling around and I'm You're... actually not, it's not my turn, I will just hit. Oh, I like that. And I some like people, that. I don't know. It's, it's, some people have told me before that it, they don't like that or, yeah, I don't know. I just, when I'm ready on the tee, I'll hit. If they're not on the tee, I'll just hit. And they don't like that. I'm like, okay, dude, you got to go, man. You're out there trying to enforce ready golf, man. I love ready golf. Like, I don't see why not. Like, what? When when you were on a long par four and it's a no-brainer driver, who has an advantage of hitting second versus first? Yeah. Yeah. It, to me, like, I get on a par three, maybe, okay, I want to hit second because I want to see this guy hit the shot or I want to see what the wind does right. to the shot. Fair enough. You want to keep your the water on the par three. But on a par four, what's well, a no-brainer? Why do you care? But that's just me. Um, I can't wait for you. Like I would, I would love, and we don't have to make this public, but, um, and you don't have to, you probably don't have to, or need to, uh, respond to this next statement, but, um, I am not a big Bryson DeChambeau fan and that is very public. Um, so I can't, I would love for you to, if you ever get paired up with him in the, in the coming year, pull that ready golf move and then just, you know, text us and tell us how that went over. We, we won't, we won't share it yeah, I just, I- just for my own. My own. I would yeah, love to absolutely. see that happen. <laughs> no problem. We're all our own egos out there. We got to do us. So at the yeah. end of the day, we can't really, we can't really yeah. worry about too much about hurting each other's feelings. Like we're all trying to win a golf tournament, and if this works for that. me, it's going to work for me. As long as I'm not 
physically hurting someone else's game. It's they can't really. I don't know. I at the end of the day, I don't really care. Yeah. I love it, man. I love the attitude. I love, uh, I love kind of how you approach it and approach the game. We're, we're, uh, we can't wait to see what the, what the year turns out for you. And uh, hopefully our, our listeners have a new, a new uh, appreciation for Sebastian Kaplan. And we, we look forward to, uh, to, to tracking you and, and hopefully, uh, you know, see a big year, big year to come and appreciate you coming on the podcast and we'd love to have yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Again. Anytime. For sure. Anytime. Just let me know.